0: Hello and welcome to French Tech News with Chris O'Brien and Ethan Pierce, an audio and video podcast highlighting important stories in English in the world of France's startups, its entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem leaders. Our objective is to continue to open this incredible ecosystem up to the Anglophone startup and investment community worldwide. And speaking of the podcast, head on over to Apple or Spotify and search for French Tech News and give that a subscribe. There you will find all of our past discussions and interviews.
1: Hello everybody, I'm Chris O'Brien with the French Tech News and the French Tech Journal. And we're here today at France Digital Day. Uh, thrilled to be back at live events and particularly thrilled to have with us today special guest, Fleur Pelleron, former Digital Minister of France and now uh, founding partner of Corellia Capital, based here in Paris. Uh, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Chris. Um, just for those not familiar with Corelia. Can you just give us a brief introduction about the mission uh, and the goals of Corillia? Sure, absolutely. So Corillia Capital is a late-stage
2: venture capital fund investing all over Europe, so really pan-European, um, and investing in tech startups that are really in that moment where they're scaling. And scaling usually, you know, uh, includes uh, going global. So we, what we uh, try to do, what we try to achieve as a value proposition, uh, original value proposition is we help to de- we help them to develop their business in Asia, because a lot of uh, French startups or European startups think about the uh, US market first, but actually the Asian market is very interesting, full of potential synergies, so that's our value proposition. We help them scale their business in Asia. And you started the firm when? How old are you now? So we're new kids on the block, still a bit. <laughs> we started the firm in uh, Late, 16, late 2016, early seventeen, started uh, investing uh, in
1: January 2017. So and you've, you've now, as I understand, you've finished your first fund and you're working on your next fund? Absolutely. So we have one you know,
2: main fund and we have a second fund with which we invested in Vestia Collective, for example, that became a unicorn, as yes, you saw recently. So we're very happy. So we have a main fund that is doing what I told you uh, right now. So this main strategy, investing in late stage uh, venture. Uh, And we have a second fund that is investing in um, C2C business, so it's more a thematic or strategic fund. Um, So all in all, we have 330 million euros under management right now, and we're raising a second fund. The target is 300 plus uh, million euros, and we are
1: right now at half the target. Great. And just let's say with the, the theme about Asia for a second. Uh, you know, so much of what we hear in France and in Europe has focused to the West, obviously because of things like London and New York and Silicon Valley. Uh, what are what are French and European entrepreneurs missing or not thinking about in terms of the, the opportunity in the Far East? Well, there, there's a, actually a lot of opportunities. Like,
2: if you think of B two B business, for example, uh, SaaS business, uh, or more more generally, B two B business. If you take Korea, South Korea and Japan, uh, the, the market, the potential market, addressable market is bigger than China in terms of big accounts and, and corporate uh, potential customers. So it's a very big market for B2B business. It's also a very big consumers market, uh, very uh, sophisticated, especially in uh, areas like consumer goods, uh, uh, luxury, etc. So it's a very interesting uh, a market also for, for the consumer base. But also, there's a lot of technology. There's a lot of sectors where Asia is really um, at the vanguard of, uh, of innovation. If you take uh, payments, for example, payment is, you know, has been uh, digitalized uh, much uh, earlier in Asia than in Europe. So there are a lot of technologies that are also very interesting in uh, in Asia. So potential synergies, and probably less attention, you know, over the past years uh, than you know, the attention that was given to the West.
1: So I think we have a very uh, good value proposition, very original. Yeah, and you know, I, I was in Silicon Valley for a long time before I came to France uh, seven years ago. I mean, historically, Asia could be a, a real graveyard <laughs> for a lot of companies, even big ones, of course, China famously uh, is really closed off to a lot of firms. But is there is there a different, um, is that the same hurdle that European companies face in terms of understanding the customs the language and really how these marketplaces work because we say asia but of course we're really talking about a very diverse region you're
2: absolutely right so it, it is very difficult uh, and we're trying to prove you know that you know with the support of a company like ours uh, we can really make a difference but you're absolutely right so culture is different the way you interact with your customers but also with business partners is different and you need to have a do's and don'ts you know in mind when when you want to address this market so what we intend to do is really to make it easier for uh, European uh, uh, startups to uh, settle in, in Asia. Uh, and that's why we have a value proposition, because precisely it is a very difficult market to address. And actually, you know, the funny story about that is that I was born in Korea. So we, we you know, when I say Asia, I mean Eastern Asia, outside China, because China is a, a very different universe uh, altogether. Um, and so we, we target mainly South Korea, which is a very sophisticated and interesting ecosystem and also Japan um, and Eastern Asia, so Indonesia, Malaysia. So these are emerging markets. So I was born in Korea, I was adopted, so I'm not bicultural. But when I was appointed as a minister for digital in France, I became really, it became very notorious. I love this story, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, that's, you know, it's really a coincidence, but that's the way things happen. And that helped me really a lot in creating a huge network in in almost no time uh, in Korea. And if I had been uh, probably, you know, uh, if I had a different base and if I had to invest a lot of time and a lot of trips and a lot of, you know, going back and forth uh, to create the same network that I have today, it would take me maybe 20 years. Oh. So that, that's really very precious. And that's what I offer to my, uh, my portfolio founders.
1: Yeah, that is an amazing tale to me about the sort of accidentally becoming this rock star. Uh, but I think it's great too. And it's certainly an opportunity. It opens up a, a real bridge for people over here in Europe uh to access that market maybe in a way that wouldn't have existed before yeah
2: because it's really an insider i mean all these markets are really insider markets they are economies that were a bit closed and also a, a very um probably where you know local players are really dominant and it's very difficult to enter this market because for that reason not only because of the cultural aspects but also because you know big conglomerates like samsung lg hyundai you know, they used to have all their services and products developed in-house, so they didn't need to have uh, uh, external uh, B2B you know, providers. That's, cha- that's changing now, but it's true that if you have network, if you have a local network, if you become an insider, then it makes it much easier to do business.
1: Yeah. One other theme to touch on here, uh, you, you know, the time that you would have started the firm uh, five or six years ago, uh, the, the question of growth equity late stage was, Really, uh, an empty uh, wasteland in Europe. I mean, that was an obvious opportunity and, and still is, I think, to some degree, because that was a general complaint that, you know, once you got past your Series B, you had to go to the United States, to London, somewhere else to get the really big investors. Obviously, one of the big stories we've seen uh, in Europe and in France the past year has been these huge mega rounds, these nine figure fundings uh, from. Growth equity from private equity. Um, I certainly don't think the whole late stage problem has been solved, but I'm wondering in terms of your focus, how has that changed your approach or how are you adapting to this, this new dynamic or does it require you to change the way you're thinking about late stage? Probably does in terms of, you know,
2: you're competing with uh, new uh, players like, you know, we, we didn't compete maybe 10 years ago with private equity players, for example. Now it's the case. So we, and that's why, you know, having a very differentiated angle, like the Asian angle, is something that is really precious and valuable because uh, money has been a bit commoditized uh, yeah. in, the, in this late stage. And, you know, when I look back at 2012, when I took office as a Minister for Digital, we called it the, the Des Valets of Financing because yeah. there was absolutely no way for a company to raise more than, you know, a French company to raise more than 10, 20 million euros. And now did you, you, we saw the mega rounds that have been announced uh, yesterday or today. I mean, it's uh, hundreds of millions of, of euros. So this gap has been bridged. That's for sure. But now the for the local industry, for the local VC industry, you need to adjust by offering more than just money uh, to the if you want really to participate to these mega rounds, if you're interested in that. Uh, Because uh, it's not just about money anymore. And it's really the founders who decide with whom they want to work. You know, they're not waiting for you. You really
1: need to make a difference and to convince them. Yeah. And then, you know, in that sense, are these new players, the private equity players, the growth equity? are they are they in fact rivals are they partners or can you describe that dynamic a little bit do you really feel like you're competing with them for a seat at the the table so they, for us they are partners
2: because as long as you have something you bring something different to the table i think they see the value that you can that you can you know bring to the to the companies and for us having this differentiated approach and, and value proposition is a, i think is a, is a good thing because they don't see us really as com- as competitors the see is people who can open doors uh, in Asia and accelerate the development of the business in, in Asia, which is something uh, probably, you know, you, you know, very interesting for, for them as shareholders as well. Uh, the thing, the complicated thing is that probably they are less sensitive to valuations and they bring the valuation uh, a, <laughs> uh, a bit high, so it creates a sort of inflation of, uh, of valuations and private equity uh, actors are, you know, more able to, to, uh, to, to
1: pay big tickets. And to, uh, and to accept big valuations. Yeah, I mean, the numbers for me, I'm sure they are for you, the, are mind-blowing because yesterday we had 1.2 billion in two deals. like I mean, when I arrived here in 2014, that was the whole year. <laughs> I mean, that was the whole Even funding year Maybe Maybe not one year, maybe more than one year. Yeah. It, you're right,
2: it's totally crazy to see uh, uh, these uh, you know, two announcements, uh, uh, Miracle and, and, uh, and um, Sorar. I don't know how to pronounce it in, in English, and and I'm also a shareholder, a happy shareholder of Vestia Collective, and they also announced yep. uh, their big a, one. It, it's not yeah, as yeah. big as Miracle and and uh, Soha, but it's uh, one hundred twenty eight million, which is very big. Yeah, and so in like two days' time, you know, you're right. It's uh, probably five years or not five years, but maybe two or three years at the beginning
1: of the twenty tens. Yeah, it's funny. Now we're thinking, oh, they only raised $120 million. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You get these it's press releases say that. now that say, oh, well, we only raised $30 million, like yeah. in our Series A. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's unthinkable. Well, just very quickly, what are you speaking on here today? At ah, I'm
2: on a very interesting panel because the, the topic this year, we, uh, each year which was a topic, and this year it's values. Okay. And that's, you know, playing on the ambiguity of the world because, of, of course, we're speaking about financial value, but also on... Uh, ethics, yeah. uh, business ethics, because uh, ESG—you know—environment, uh, uh, governance, uh, social impact have become hugely important now in our ecosystems, both on the financing side and on the uh, corporate side. Uh, and so we'll, you know, try to see how to reconcile
1: yeah. uh, value, uh, ethics, yeah. and and financial value. Yeah, we've definitely seen that with the tech for good initiatives, and I hear that mm-hmm. more and more from. Uh from, from firms of all sizes and entrepreneurs that they feel like that's just, even if you're not officially a impact company, you have to have that as part of your mission, part of your thinking in terms of how you present yourself, how you organize yourself, how you speak to customers and, and to investors. Absolutely. So we did a great, you know, great work last year
2: during this uh, you know, very strange uh, interim period of uh, lockdown. We, we thought a lot about how we could you know, bring some uh, ESG DNA uh, into our processes recruitment processes, investment processes, and the support you know, we can bring to the to the portfolio companies. So we really try to help them make progress uh, in terms of their ESG uh, footprint. And we're not an impact fund, but we are, for us, it's very important to uh, have this dimension
1: in our processes and in our values. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for thank taking you, some time this afternoon on a beautiful yeah. Paris day. And uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll be back with more great interviews from France Digital Day.
0: Want more news and stories from France's incredible innovation ecosystem and its entrepreneurs? Subscribe to the French Tech News with Chris and Ethan on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and switch on notifications to be informed of new episodes as soon as they are released. You can connect with Chris and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. I am at Ethan Pierce, that's E-T-H-A-N-P-I-E-R-S-E, and Chris O'Brien is at O'Brien, O-B-R-I-E-N. Let us know if there are guests that you would like to see on the interview podcast or Clubhouse, as well as any stories that we should take a look at. As always, thank you for listening and see you next time.